in week two of our missional life series. Um, and this series is looking at what it looks like to be on mission uh, with Jesus in our everyday work and life. And one of the goals for the series is to break down the, the misconception that missional living is only for those who are called to be on missions or into full-time ministry. See, you, you and I, all of us here, those of you guys online, those of you guys outside, wherever you guys are, if you, have, if you profess faith in Jesus, you and I are called to be on mission with him. This is something that he's commanded and commissioned all of us to do. Yet, for a lot of us, there's stuff that just holds us back. And today, one of the barriers that I want to look at uh, is, is work. Because we do work a lot. And that's probably the bulk of our time. How many of us have heard that work is simply an end, uh, a means to an end? Anybody heard that? Yeah? Okay, let me give some examples, because I expected everyone to raise their hands. Work is a means to pay bills. Work is a means to put food on the table. Work is a means to be able to go and enjoy your life. No? <laughs> Um, or even this, work is a means to fulfill expectations. See, there is a practical reality to work, um, that, that work provides the financial means that we need to live. I'm, I'm not dismissing that reality, which is true for all of us, especially here in Orange County. But I also want to recognize, too, that there are seasons of life where work really is just a means to an end. You need to get that job because you've got to pay for the, the rent that's going to put... Uh, a roof over your head. Right? That's just the reality. But if that is your only view of work, that it, mean, uh, that it is a means to an end, and your view does not change as you walk deeper with Jesus, then this becomes a barrier to you living out uh, and being on mission with Jesus. And like the panelists pointed out last week, we can either under-spiritualize our work or we over-spiritualize it. And one of the unhealthy ways that this plays out is that we feel like we're not doing enough for Jesus. Our Monday through Friday work just isn't enough. And so we have to serve and we have to give at church. We need to do more for Jesus. So we give and give and give. And all that just leads to us getting burned out. This is what many of us have experienced. And maybe some of us have felt this pressure from our churches. Churches have actually been the sources of this unhealthiness where people are pressed to give and serve regardless of their season of work and life. We don't want to do that here. That's the last thing we want to do here at One Life City Church. There's nothing healthy about this expression of faith, work, and life. And this is not the view of work that God teaches us in Scripture. Your work is good and can be an amazing context for you being on mission with Jesus. Genesis 1, 28, and this will be on the screen, says that, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 2, 15 then says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, to work it and keep it. See, work, it is inherently good. 
God has given work to Adam as a context to live out who God created him to be. God has given us work as a context to live out who you and I were created to be. So you might be a teacher, you might be a salesperson, you might be a builder, um, you might be an engineer, an accountant, you might be whatever it might be. All of that is good in the eyes of God. And that is a context for you to live out your faith and to be on mission with Jesus. The other piece, too, is that work was also a context for Adam and God to be in relationship together. Genesis 2.19 says, Now out of, the, uh, out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. See, God had given work to Adam so that they can be in relationship together. How cool is it that God is saying, hey, Adam, what is that over there? What do you want to call that thing? An octopus? Sure, octopus it is. Right? God has given that same uh, context for us to go deeper in relationship with him. And how we do that is by being on mission with Jesus. And so today, um, our panelists, that was my quick, quick intro. Today we have special panelists that I want to invite up. And the reason why today is a little bit more unique uh, is that um, it's three dads. And so would you guys, actually, would you guys come up right now? Yeah. So there's an order, sorry. Uh, we have your picture, so we want them to match where you guys are sitting. Otherwise, we're going to be like, what? That's not your family. So Juan Carlos, Miles, and Cole. These dads uh, work full-time, and what that means, too, is that their work at times will be over 40 hours, yet, um, if I can grab that stool, yet at the same time, they have a family, and that family requires their attention, requires their time, um, and requires their energy to be present to them. And so, um, what I have been encouraged by is, as I've gotten to know their stories and uh, walk with them for a bit, um, is that they, they work at being on mission with Jesus. They work at living out their faith in every context that they're in. And so, um, so let's welcome them up. They're here. Uh, maybe the first question for you guys uh, is this. Um, what, what is your full-time work? And how long have you been at this job or, or the industry that you're in? So we can go, let's go this way. All right. Um, well, I'm a landscaper. I'm an account manager in a landscape company. I've been working for this lake for about 15 years. And uh, that's pretty much it. Right. Um, I'm a civil engineer. I work in the transportation industry. Uh, I've been doing that for about 20 years, actually, um, all here in Southern California. Nice. Yeah, so I work at a tech company called Liferay. I work with Joel and Jay Lee as well. Um, and so uh, uh, we built software that a lot of um, uh, enterprises like, like banks or, or manufacturing companies will, insurance companies will utilize. And then I'm a business analyst. So a lot of people wonder, what does a business analyst do? It's basically... When you're in a meeting with somebody and somebody says, somebody should look into that. Or yeah, we should actually figure that out. That's the business analyst or the operations team is essentially the people that do that. So it's problem solving, project management, um, trying to just optimize, make things better. Um, so yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. All right, so the first uh, question for you guys is this. How do you see your work setting 
uh, as a context to live missionally? And what's been, your, what's been that process for you if living out your faith at work is something you've experienced more recently in the last few years? And the assumption is that um, you, you didn't start the job, you didn't get hired, didn't start the job, you know, out the door running and, and living missionally for Jesus, right? You've had to ex- explore what that looks like. And so what, what has that process been for you guys if, if that's kind of your story? So we can go, whoever. Yeah, so I'll get started. Um, so yeah, my, so I've been at, the, at LifeRay, the tech company, for, for seven years. Um, but it was an interesting transition uh, to get there. So if you guys are familiar with my background, I actually was in nonprofit for about 10 years. Um, so in Santa Ana and then at Solidarity um, before that or after that. And so um, what Jay mentioned earlier, I think, is what I kind of experienced going into this new role. I, I think it was very much, you know, we were expecting Nora, our oldest daughter at the time. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be a means to an end. Like I can just clock in, clock out. It's the tech industry. I don't, I'm not technical. I don't have a background in that in, in any way. Um, and I just, and there's a lot of insecurities that came with that. You know, nonprofit, there was a staff of like maybe 20 to 30 to a company that had like a thousand people. And so I kind of just went in thinking, okay, I'm just going to do my thing, try to contribute in whatever way possible. Uh, but I think over the years that I've been there, I've really found like there's two main things that I think I've, I've really learned and, and has really shaped my theology of work. I think one is, um, kind of what Jay alluded to as well, like the work itself, I felt like could be an act of worship. And so it's problem solving, it's uh, cultivating, it's even just bringing new ideas to the table, like all of that I feel like I've learned over time, yeah, this could honor God, this could be, this is what he created me to do, what he created us to do. And it's a way that I can not only contribute value to the company, but really hopefully, you know, bring to the Lord as an act of worship. Um, And then I think secondly, as I mentioned, because the company is so large, what was really interesting is that over time, I started to realize, you know, a lot of my work in operations, you have to collaborate with a lot of different departments. It's like product design, engineering. And so with that, everybody has a unique story. Everybody has life experiences that they had prior to the company, and they're now bringing into our context. And so, um, and plus the fact that we're global, like I could be on a call with you know, a couple people in Brazil and then somebody in Hungary and then the next day people in, in Asia Pacific, you know, in India or China. So there's so many unique experiences that people bring. And I've and over time I just realized like, wow, this is actually a really unique opportunity to get to know people's stories, to really see them, to not only see them and, and hear the ideas that they have in the work context, but even just get to know their lives and their families and and then I think more importantly, you know, hopefully through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, like acknowledge ways that I can encourage them. I can affirm them for who they are. Um, regardless of what they bring to the work context, I could just affirm them for like just the value that they add to our team as a person and, and their their thoughts, their ideas. And so that's so that's something that I, I try to really adopt now. It's it's to remember the work itself is good and God honoring. Um, and then what was mentioned last week with just the importance of relationships and just how, you know, every meeting, every context um, that we're in is an opportunity to, to speak life and, and encourage others. I can go next. Yeah. Um, so for me, this this question I've struggled with through most of my career. I, I, I wasn't a, a believer when I started in, in civil engineering. I, I met my wife, Nan, uh, as an engineer and um, um, came to know Jesus about seven or eight years into my career, and then um, 
after that, I struggled with, because like, so much of my life is, is spent working, that it felt like I was, um, you know, in, in everything that was being preached and, and taught and everything I read in the Bible, that, um, that there wasn't a calling for me in work. Um, there wasn't a way to live missionally, uh, at least that I saw. Um, but there's been a number of, of people that have spoke truth into my life and about that specifically where I, um, you know, I, I, it, it turns out that just in relationships with people, um, just in, in, in just loving people at work in a way that, you know, I'm not there to, to just make money, to, to just get ahead. Um, you know, I don't want to drop an assignment and just leave because it's the end of the day. I want to live out, love thy neighbor at my work. And, and through that, through um, people asking that question, what makes this person different, um, has been a way of, of living missionally in, in my work context. Um, and, and especially in my, in my newest role, I'm, a, I'm in management now, and I have staff that report up to me, and I get to look out for them, I get to, to help them grow in their careers, and um, you know, empower them to become what, um, what, you know, what they don't know it, but what God created them to be, and what God brought them into uh, work for. It's not easy to speak about religion in the work environment these days, but um, just living that out and, and being that type of person, they, they see something different and they experience something different in their relationship with you. And that, that's how I've been um, kind of seeing um, what it looks like to live missionally in my work. And yeah, I, even though I still struggle and I'm like, okay, God, as soon as you call me, I'll, I'll leave the 40 hours a week and I'll, I'll go, live missionally outside of that context, and we'll figure out how to pay the bills. But he hasn't <laughs> called me to do that, which is fine. Um, but it, I'm, I'm, every once in a while I struggle with that. So yeah. I, it's always a struggle. Anyone who's working um, probably has experienced that at one point in their life. So, thanks for sharing that. Hi, um, for me, um, I wasn't a believer when I started um, this work. And, um, I was um, in irrigation tech before I get promoted, and um, it was always this person from another crew. The you always hear like uh, good things, like oh he's helpful. He you never see one of the workers complain about him, and um, that gets me pretty interested to work with him. And uh, once in a while I see him walking. Yeah, I want to work with you. I would like to work with you, and. Um, it's like after like two years of saying that, like, but well, we start working together, and I found out that he was a, I didn't know he was a man of God, he was a believer. Um, but by that time, I was um, already um, a believer. I was working um, on my relationship with God, and and um, I found out that it was a runaway a blessing to work with um, with this person. And we start sharing, and we find out that we have a lot in common. Yeah. Uh, he's a father too, it's a hard job. And um, he definitely shared um, his blessings. But uh, um, it, was, um, it was tough in the beginning because uh, um, I wasn't ready for, for that. I, didn't, uh, I thought it was going to be easier after the experience that I have. And I found out that dealing with um, different personalities different um, type of people, careers, 
um, and uh, I start. Well, he shared all his knowledge, and, uh, and I was like, hey, you know what, you're right. So when we start praying, uh, we're able to do that and, um, and share with him and make it um, so much um, easier. Um, and share with the guys, um, with, our, with the crew. Um, we keep it like on the low. It's not like public, <laughs> but uh, it's... Um, you, don't, you don't carry a sign around. <laughs> um, and it's... Uh, it's really nice how can we pray in the office like put God always like first mm-hmm. and I learned a lot a lot from from him and um, it's been a really nice um, journey um, it was tough but it's it's nice and um, and I've been learning um, a lot so it's a, it's definitely a blessing to, yeah. to have like a uh, um, man of God working by your side and what's amazing too is, um, you know, for for each of you guys sharing too, so much of what it means to live missionally is that you guys live out what Jesus teaches. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. And and so what's amazing too is, you know, I know, you know, for Juan Carlos and, and for Miles, you guys have talked about having that person that that was a believer that had an impact on your lives. But now you guys are the ones that are living out your faith, and that you're having that impact on people around you. And same for you, Cole, with your staff. Um, I know that uh, it, it's, and it's tricky too, because it's not, it's not like a church setting where you can just freely, you know, bring up your faith, and so much of it just comes in, in these contexts of relationship, right? Um, but in that too, it's you guys knowing who you are, what God's called you to, um, as well as then taking what you hear on Sundays, and then trying to live that out, work that out, you know, the setting of, of your nine to five, you know, Monday to Friday, so... Um, so thank you guys for sharing that. Now, um, like we said uh, when, when we first started, these guys are dads, right? And so they have full families. So we have pictures. Um, just one, Carlos. That's only four. <laughs> That's only four. Um, but uh, do why don't you introduce, can you introduce your family? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll do that. <laughs> um, yeah, that was... Um, when Andre was um, really small, like, like a year, um, and it's, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a blessing when they say like each, each kid, it's a, a blessing. It is. Um, we get more um, experience, and and every time we have a, a a kid, like God give me more. So I wouldn't be afraid <laughs> to have another one. We have more pictures. I think we have more pictures. Uh, so that's my wife, Judy, baby oh, Andre, um, Jared, um, the oldest one, and Colleen, Sophia. And you got one more. We, we didn't have that picture uh, up. but Yeah, he's not there, but Jacob, the last blessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last, last? <laughs> All right. Hey, what's, uh, well, let's go ahead. Miles, um, we have uh, the Harold family. Uh, that's, that's a picture we took uh, when we were about to board the Polar Express, which is the train that runs from you know, a small town south of the Grand Canyon up to the Grand Canyon and back. Um, it doesn't actually reach the Grand Canyon when you take the Polar Express, but it reaches um, Santa's workshop. Uh, uh, and yes, we're wearing matching pajamas that say Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and then two little bears. Uh, and I think this was about five years ago. So my wife, Nan, um, and then our oldest, 
who's wearing the, or who's holding the teddy bear is JL, and the one who's showing, showing a little bit of sass is uh, <laughs> Zoe. Um, so that's classic Zoe. That's my family. Awesome. Is, does Zoe get the sass from you or from Nan? From neither of us, really. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's great. Cool. Yeah, so this, uh, my wife Bianca, she's the rock in our family for sure. <laughs> Uh, that's Nora, she's six, and then that's Lucy, our, our younger one, the really energetic, uh, creative one. So she's four years old, Lucy. Oh, that's the summer. Yeah, that's from like the Arboretum, I think, in, in Arcadia. Uh, I'm trying to do more experiences like that. That's yeah. beautiful. So these guys, uh, you know, as, they, as we've talked about kind of preparing for this panel and really talking about living missionally, um, work was a primary context in, in one sense, but a large part of it, as you guys see, is is their family, right? And so, um, so this was we had a we talked about this for a while. So here's the second prompt: How do you prioritize your work and family responsibilities, and what does that look like for you? Um, that's um, that's definitely a good question. And, um, and to be honest, I've been working a lot, and it's not, it's not easy at all. Um, for so long, I prioritize uh, my work because it provides um, the food and a place to stay for my family um, before uh, um, I start believing and uh, before I get a man of God. And it, it was really, really tough. And I've been working on it, but... Uh, like I said, it hasn't been easy, um, not just for me, for them as well. Um, and um, I'm st um, still not there. Um, that's the main reason that, I'm, that I um, look for opportunities to um, move forward, to have more privilege. And like what I'm looking for right now is to, to have the privilege to spend more time with my family. That's my, I mean, it's definitely God, and then my family. Um, so thanks to him, I'm, I'm getting there. I feel it. Um, for me, this just just like the um, living missionally, it's a, it's a struggle. Um, and so I, in in different seasons throughout my career as an engineer, um, I I would get super busy um, and lose sight of of my family responsibilities. Um, but luckily I'm blessed with an amazing wife who will remind me um, in subtle ways. Like she's not, like, she understands because she's an engineer as well and she understands what I'm going for or through and um, will be very supportive of that. But at the same time, you know, at the end of the, my, you know, my career, do I want to have, um, you know, spent my whole life working and look back and wish that I'd had more time with my family, um, you know, and more time to, you know, serve in this community and, um, you know, just, you know, go on trips with with Nan and the girls and and get to know them. And so, um, in in that my current season, I, I'm really busy, but I've I, I feel like I've done better at managing and, and balancing my work and family responsibilities where I. The, the hardest part, and, and it's something that Cole brought up when we were kind of preparing for the panel, is, is, is coming home mentally, you know, because you can come home um, 
but still you know, be stressed and thinking about things you didn't get done, that you were supposed to get done, that you still have to work on maybe later that evening or the, the weekend or the next day and keep that running in your head instead of engaging with your kids, engaging with your wife. Um, and that really affects uh, who you are around them and, and the, you know, so bringing your whole um, person, your personality, your energy levels, um, that's important. And your kids feed off that. They, they realize that. They see who you are and they kind of can gauge what mood you're in when you come home. And if you're there to be with them or if you're still distracted and not thinking about things, they'll just leave you alone. And they'll do that. But you know, later on you'll regret when they go to bed and you realize you haven't spent any time with them that evening. Um, and so I've been just working on that to try and um, decompress. And, and it's harder actually during COVID because when I, when I got off work, I would just turn the computer off and I'd be at home. So I wouldn't have that time to decompress on the way home. Which, yeah. So I, I don't regret not having to commute, but that made, made it harder. I don't, I don't know. I didn't have a routine. Never figured one out yet, but um, yeah. So I, it's a struggle, really. When you answer the question, it's you just have to try. You have to, you know, make sure that you talk to your family and um, figure out ways in which you can put that stuff aside and engage and and get feedback on on how you're doing and what you know, and just have that conversation with God as well and make sure you know what's important in your life and that it's not work. You know, that's going to be there the next day and the next day. And for 40 years, it's going to be there. So, yeah, yeah. anyway. Just 40? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's definitely like what the guy said. It's a struggle as well. I, I think on a very practical level, I'm, I'm really grateful for um, the company I work for because the hours are somewhat flexible. So pretty much for the whole time I've been there, I, I work like a, like a 5.30 to 2.30 uh, time frame. And so... Just practically, it gives me the afternoons. So, so now with, with Nora starting school, I can like go pick her up every day and just have kind of that quality time with her. Um, but with that said, I mean, I, by 3 o'clock, I'm just ready to sleep. I just need like a 10-minute nap or something just to kind of recalibrate. And so I think, you know, what, what the guys mentioned, um, there, there's just that ongoing tension of, um, and especially now with, you know, what Miles alluded to, you know, I, I work at home, and so... It's literally, I, I turn off the computer and then I walk outside and then Lucy's there after school and then I go pick up Nora. And so mentally, it's just so difficult to just completely check out of that and then engage with Nora because she loves asking questions and, and just loves talking and, and wants to really feel connection. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that um, I'm continually, like trying to be more present with the kids, trying to be more intentional. And, and I think one thing that I've learned is, um, before it was very much okay like work's done try to try to turn it off to, to some extent and then try to engage over here with the family you know and I think one thing that I'm trying to practice and it's still still definitely a challenge is how do I bring the work stress like to the Lord just as much as I bring any other kind of stress I have and so to really like surrender that to him. And not that it's when I do that, all of a sudden it's just gonna be great. I feel awesome about work, even though there's there's stressors there. It's more yeah. just, okay, God, like all of this is yours. Yeah. You know, and, and as I do that, it's like just knowing he's in control. Because I'm a six, I'm an Enneagram six, and I have a seven wing. So it's like, if I'm not, in, if something feels like chaotic, 
in, internally or even just at work, I want to control it. And when things are good, I want to like look for new things to accomplish or, or I want to try new experiences. And so there's that tension even with my personality of how do I just be present and just acknowledge God like this feels out of control or this feels unsettled. Here, here's everything. Like just take it and help me to be present with Nora, with Bianca, with, with Lucy, like in the moment. Um, I, I love how each of you guys actually brought up very different themes in it too. Um, but one overarching theme was that work isn't everything, right? Like this isn't your life. Although it feels like it sucks up so much of your time and energy. Um, and, and at the same time too, Juan Carlos, you talked about privilege and, and work, right? And so having the privilege to be able to spend more time with family. And, and for us, you know, as a church, even to recognize like there, there's brokenness in that. Like some of our work and our privilege and where we're at, like it, it's not the same. Right? And so as we talk about our stories here and as we talk about what it means to live out missionally, it, it's going to be very different, right? Um, but in that too, some of the missional living is to, to acknowledge the injustice, knowledge, uh, acknowledge the privilege, acknowledge what's broken about it, and work towards fixing that too. Um, and so, uh, but one of the things, you know, as you guys talked about that work isn't everything, um, you guys alluded at there's kind of this bigger vision that you guys have for life. Like, you're not working so that, you know, this fulfills your life. Um, it, it's been a part of that struggle, but it, it definitely doesn't capture who you are as a person. And what's been beautiful in, in kind of talking with you guys, too, is that each of you guys have what you hope to see for your family, like this vision of what you would see your family be and become. And what's amazing about that is that you recognize the gift of who they are, that you recognize what God's given you, um, and you're working to live that out. And so what I'd love for us to be able to hear too is, um, what is the vision or hope that you have for your family, for your specific family? I can go first this time, in the middle. Um, but I'm gonna use this moment, I, I was going to give an example for the first question, so I'm gonna try, and this is gonna be a bit of a stretch, but I'm gonna give this example anyway, um, to set up my, what, what I, what Nan and I have talked about as our, as our hope for our, our family and our kids, but um, so in, in um, living missionally through my work, one thing that um, one one thing that happened to me about three years ago, almost four years ago now, um, which really changed my my whole outlook on um, my time with my family and my work, um, is uh, I, uh, I I got um, a, a new boss. And he was only my boss for like two months, but he, he was a believer. He's very vocal at work about being a believer too. So he does that with courage in a way that, um, you know, he, he can get away with. And um, he sat down with me and he had talked to everybody that I normally work with. And he gave me really honest feedback as to where I'm at at work and um, what, what could be next for me. Uh, and that the biggest thing that he shared with me was that, um, you know, I could continue to struggle and try to achieve this goal that I had in mind, and um, but that wasn't something that um, that I was right now um, equipped for, and I needed to continue to um, you know step aside and and just do what I was being asked to do, and those opportunities may come, but it would be a struggle, and I would have to fight against the grain 
Um, but he suggested that maybe I'd want to take an opportunity to, um, to, to do what the company needed me for and, and to just, um, you know, what, what, whatever, like what I was good at. And, and instead of fighting against that, do what, what I was good at. Um, and that actually has really changed my outlook on work where I, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just work on what the company needs me to do instead of what I, the ambitions that I had, the, my own selfish desires for what I wanted my career to look like. And that's changed everything in my outlook at work and it's really helped me and it, it helps in my conversations with my staff and, and, and clients and it just, it's changed everything. And the other thing that he, he told me was, I had one uh, boss previously that, that we had an HR issue and a falling out and, and he said, no matter what, even if you're never gonna work with that guy again, you need to heal that relationship. There needs to be forgiveness there. And I actually received that. Normally I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pig-headed and I would not have received that well, but I did, and I went and you know, started you know, asking for forgiveness and repairing that relationship, and um, we, we have a, we, he's at my boss again, and we're, you know, we have a great working relationship, and um, you know, I think it'll, it'll be a long-term friendship even. But with that, um, we take that into the family setting and, and the context that, that Nan and I kind of talk about uh, with respect to our kids and the things that we we want to instill, the values that we want to instill in our kids, and I think I don't know it changes all the time. You know, we we had a you know a life group when we were when we were a lot younger, and we we had a, a sit down session where we all you know brainstormed what what's two characteristics that you want to instill in your kids, and all our kids were super young at the time, and and I always look back on that, and there was like this forty different characteristics that um, these, this group of uh, young parents wanted to instill in their kids. And I don't, I don't know, I can't remember any of them specifically, but um, that vision that we have for our kids to be, to know God, uh, to know Jesus, to, um, to love God and love thy neighbor, that's a big part of it, and, and, but it comes off in so many different ways to, um, to have our kids be respectful, uh, hardworking, um, I don't know, we, we work on that with our kids all the time. And, and we do talk in the evenings occasionally, right? When we start to see things change with one of our kids um, and we, you know, it, I don't know, that vision changes, right? It, it's, it's, it's focusing on, on having our kids be loving um, and hardworking and courageous and I don't know, there's all kinds of different things. So I. I don't know if I'm answering your question since I've rambled on for so long, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, that that's I mean that's just what I hope for our kids that they that they get to pursue what they want to pursue that they love life and love God and um, and love others and and that's that's a big part of what I think we want for our kids and they're they're doing it right they they're not going to be engineers right we're both engineers and they're not going to be engineers so right there. Uh, they're not living in their parents' footsteps. They're doing their own thing. And it's awesome to watch because yeah. we get to learn uh, about what they love. And how has Adventure Guide been a part oh, yeah. of that for you? Uh, um, so uh, Adventure Guide has been awesome, right? So that was just another way of, of being able to balance work and life um, where I realized if, if I didn't... Um, this, this is a program through the YMCA for dads to go on trips with their daughters and to just set aside a weekend a month to do something with their kids. Otherwise, I, I would, you know, I'd spend a little bit of time on the weekends with them, and that would be it. 
but these are trips set up by a group of dads, so it's not all on your shoulders. And you know, we get to go um, to the Magic Castle up in LA, or we go camping. Next weekend, we're gonna go to San Onofre. Um, yeah, and my relationship with my kids, I get to be, um, I, I feel like there's, there's a, a deeper relationship there, and, and I'm hoping that a relationship that goes beyond um, high school, where, where they call me up and they want to share about some new TV show or band or, or something that they love that they want me to check out. And maybe we won't be like friends the way they see friendships, but, but we'll have a deeper relationship uh, that goes beyond just me being their dad uh, yeah. because of Adventure Guides and, yeah. and programs like that. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, well, for me, what's the vision or hope they have? Um, my vision is a uh, legacy. Legacy of have a family of God, build uh, men of God. I have four, four children that they can make a difference in the community. Um, and um, to me, that's the most important because uh, no one in our families do it before. So we we um, we can start. I believe that we can definitely mean you. We can start a, a legacy for our grandchildren, for um, for the children, of my children. Um, and it's we've been working so hard for it. And um, and it feels really good. It's been really hard, but it feels really good when, uh, when my, I tell with my mother and she's like, um, I'm so proud of you and, um, and she's happy and that makes me um, really happy. So that makes me that I'm going in the right direction and it motivates me and that's what I want to do. Uh, my vision, it's motivate families, motivate people um, for the community. For, um, I don't want to, I don't say that I want to change the world, but I can do something for the community where I live. Um, and that's what I want my kids to, to learn. And um, we been working so hard to, to show them with action yeah. that that's possible, yeah. that you can do it. That it's hard work, but you can get there. Um, that's pretty much short for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for our family, I think, um, and just even talking to Bianca about this, um, and I, I feel like in a lot of ways she, she leads our family um, in this area, which is just being intentional about uh, practicing the ministry of presence. Um, and I think just even the name of our church, right, like One Life City Church. I mean, I think it's so easy in life to compartmentalize. I think especially with COVID, I, I found myself wanting to insulate more, you know, with like, yeah, we don't, we shouldn't be out because, you know, COVID's out there and we should just enjoy our time with family and kind of do our own thing. And, and I feel like one thing that Bianca's really led us in and, and I think um, has been incredibly helpful is like there's ministry opportunities everywhere. And a lot of that starts with just being present and just being in tune with what God is doing around us, you know? And so on a very practical level, let's say with work, you know, before COVID, we would have people visit our office from other countries and stay for two or three weeks. And so one thing I just started realizing and other coworkers have actually modeled is just invite them to your house. And so we had a couple coworkers from Hungary and, and we brought them to, to Newport and we had, um, you know, Apostar tacos for the first time. They'd never had that before. And it was like tripping them out. Like there's pineapple in this, with, in this burrito and, and in this taco and, and even just things like that. And so the girls got to experience like people from other countries and just having them in our home and, 
Um, and then also with our neighbors, you know, we have um, several that are, are, are seniors and are living on their own or are widows. And, and so just inviting them over, bringing grapefruit over to their house. Um, so just really helping the girls to see like, you know, being present with others is really just a way of, of loving, of loving them well. Um, and, and so that's something that we're trying to really practice staying down and then, you know, of course, with our church community. And, and, I, and I would say one thing that's been encouraging to me is, is knowing that a lot of the families in our church community really have, have modeled that and are living that out. And so, it's, and so we don't feel alone in that, in that desire and that vision that we want to have. I mean, we share that together and we can encourage each other where when it is, it feels easier to kind of do your own thing, to, to push out and be like, hey, we're going to the beach today. Does anybody want to come? Or um, inviting our neighbors to events and inviting them over for dinner. Um, and then with coworkers, just being intentional in, in relationships there too. Dude, um, I, I want to thank you guys for giving your time and, and um, your stories and your family's stories to, to our church. And uh, one of the things I, I would affirm for each of you is the ways that you guys have been present uh, for you personally as, as, you know, individually, but then also with your family too. And, you know, I think, I think of all these stories, do Juan Carlos, you came and helped fix the fence and it was not a simple job, and that took hours and, and miles. You did Love Fullerton, and um, you helped, you know, do a bunch of different things. And, and Cole, for you know, you guys hosting, and um, I, I know different relationships here has been kind of a steady investment that you guys have made, you know, over the years. And so, um, and so, I'm honored, you know, to to get to know you guys a bit through this, and um, but also just want to affirm that and, and thank you guys. So. Um, yeah, so can we thank them for kind of giving their time? All right.